Welcome to Movements, the podcast all about volunteer service, civic engagement, and all of the other ways that you can become involved in your community. I'm your host, Sydney Blakeney, and we're nearing the final days of Women's History Month. So why not close it out by talking about gender equity and the ways that Georgia Tech's very own Women's Resource Center is working to advance gender equity on our campus through advocacy, community building, training, information, and a ton of other services. So tune in for this week's episode as we speak with Melanie DeMayer, the Assistant Dean and Director of the Women's Resource Center, and Denny Legner, the Program Coordinator for the Women's Resource Center. This conversation only scratches the surface on issues related to women's equity and empowerment, but we hope that it piques your interest enough to learn more and check out all of the resources that WRC has to offer. All right, without further ado, enjoy this week's episode of Movements. Cool. So, um, again, welcome. And if both of you could just take a second to introduce yourself and then maybe your roles within your organization. And we can have Melanie kind of go into detail about what the Women's Resource Center is. Um, so, if Danny maybe could start here, I think that would be good. Yeah, I'd be happy to start. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Danny Lechner. I use the pronoun she and her. Um, I serve as the program coordinator for the Women's Resource Center. Uh, I've been at Georgia Tech for um, almost three years now. And I'm Melanie DeMere. I use the pronouns she and her, and I serve as an assistant dean of students and director of the Women's Center. Uh, I have been with the Institute 10 years now, so I've been around a good long while. Um, And the whole time I've been with the Women's Center. Um, So um, I have a a real commitment to the work that we do and, and to the students that we serve. Um, and I'm so thankful to get to work alongside Danny every day, um, and our students, she's just the bee's knees. So, um, just really thankful for that. Um, the women's center is a unit in the division of student life. Um, and we work with inclusion advocacy and support programs. So that's a collective of offices that support diversity and inclusion within the division and on campus. Um, it includes the LGBTQIA resource center, student diversity programs, and the veterans resource center. Uh, And the Women's Center was founded by a group of students, faculty and staff in 1998. Um, So we've been around campus for for a while. Um, Our mission is to advance gender equity across identities uh, by cultivating opportunities for community building, transformative learning, collaborative leadership, and identity development for graduate and undergraduate women. Danny, do you wanna talk a little bit about our programs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we typically offer, like in terms of services and programs, we offer about 30 programs annually that can range depending on the semester and what kind of celebrations or things might be going on. Um, but they include a variety of like educational workshops uh, that cover like a range of topics, everything from interrupting sexism to intersectionality. Uh, and we also have community support programs like our monthly craft circles uh, and women's grad chats. Uh, the WRC also hosts, which is one of our signature programs that has been around as long as the center has been around, um, the annual Women's Leadership Conference. This happens every year in March. So we just had um, our first virtual conference at the beginning of this year, uh, of this March, excuse me. Uh, and WLC offers workshops, speakers, and discussions that are all aimed at developing women leaders on campus and in the Atlanta community. So we have students, faculty, and staff from Georgia Tech, but we also get um, like youth from the community. We get 
people who work in corporations who come. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a really wide breadth of people who attend. Um, this past year, we also launched a first-year leadership organization called RISE, uh, which stands for Reimagine, Inspire, Serve, and Empower. Uh, and RISE specifically uses feminist leadership principles to explore and address issues of gender equity and social justice on campus and in the community. And that covers it, unless there was something specific about some of our programs. No, I, I, I was, uh, we also have a physical location. So while we're not open um, right now because of COVID um, concerns, we do have a physical location in the flag building. Uh, I like to tell people that you know you're on the right track because you come down a hallway full of women's pictures and it's the only place on campus you'll see that. So, um, and so we've got a lounge space, um, a nice big lobby with a big comfy couch to hang out and study in. Um, and then we also have a conference room. So so that space can be booked for group projects. It can be booked for student org meetings. It can be booked for um, mock interviews, really any kind of thing that you might need um, additional support with, or maybe you just need a place to kind of let your hair down for a little while. You can come in the Women's Center and do that as well. So um, we we have a lot of, a lot, and a, and a small lending library too. So um, lots of different stuff happening out of our space. Mm, that's really cool. I wanted to, um, you know, as we're thinking about the mission of the Women's Resource Center, and actually, Danny, you spoke to this word that I'm going to ask you about when you spoke about RISE as well. When we think about this idea of equity, um, I, I think there are people who probably understand that something like equity is different from something like equality, but maybe we often see these words interchanged. And I know this is kind of a... a, a small part of so much of what you just shared and we'll get to a lot of the other stuff but I'm wondering if one of you might be willing to share a little bit more about why focus on gender equity versus equality what what makes those things distinct and why might that matter when you think about the work that you're doing yeah so they're not the same thing although I think that they're um they're they're partnered in some ways um, and can be partnered in some ways. Um, so when we say gender equity, we're looking at the ways that power, privilege and oppression impact individuals and groups of people through the lens of gender. Um, so what we mean and what we're talking about is we're talking about folks' access to safety and security, um, their access to opportunities. So things like pay equity, education, leadership, decision-making, um, and then belonging their ability to feel like they belong um, and to have security in that. So gender equity isn't solely about representation. Um, it's about taking into account all of those factors and the systems that govern them and then providing resources to level the playing field essentially um, so that we can work towards equity. Um, so for example, there's a conversation about the rising number of women at tech. And while it's wonderful to see those numbers go up, in the Women's Center, we talk a lot about how the quantity of women on campus is different from the quality of their experience. And we're really interested in ensuring that the 40% of women on our campus um, that we're so excited are here have a high quality of experience and an equitable experience. Um, that they're seen as knowledge experts and leaders and have access to opportunities to develop their skills. Um, within the context of understanding that um, we're not entering on an equal playing field because of those systems of oppression. Um, and so we know that, we also know that 
gender equity is largely impacted by systems of oppression like sexism and patriarchy. Um, and we also know that it's informed by racism and classism and ableism and xenophobia and transphobia and heterosexism. And so we're talking about, when we're talking about gender equity, um, we understand that that equity can't be achieved without an intersectional approach. Um, and that then further examines the impact of overlapping and intersecting systems of oppression. And so Danny, do you, do you feel like, I'm thinking maybe we should sum it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so kind of getting back to the, like, I think Melanie has done a great job of talking about like how we sort of practice gender equity and what we're looking for. Um, and, and also like to the question of what's the difference. So sort of to put it simply, equality is, I think often thought about as treating everyone the same, regardless of their individual identities, while equity is looking very explicitly at identity and oppression and doing what Melanie said and providing resources to people to level the playing field of access and opportunity. Um, what I will say, I think, and I think Melanie would agree with me on this, is that uh, in the Women's Center, we'd like to push that like equality versus equity narrative even further by, yes, providing resources to achieve equity, but also critically examining and abolishing the systems of oppression that exists in the first place instead of just trying to work within them. Um, and I think from our perspective, this is what liberation um, for all people and specifically in this context, like liberation from people who are marginalized by gender inequity would look like. Hmm. Thank you for that. I think of the, well, I'll, I'll be curious your thoughts. I feel like I've seen the image or kind of the cartoon drawing of the differences in these where there's there are people standing in front of a fence and, you know, of different heights and equality is everyone's given the same box to stand on and still some people mm -hmm. can see over the fence and some can't versus equity. People are given what they need to all be able to see over the fence versus mm -hmm. liberation or justice being just remove the fence altogether and let's like mm -hmm. <laughs> be able to exist in the way that we are. Um, is that a fair super summarized representation yeah yeah I love that I love that image I think it's such a clear image for us to think about you know um because for some folks if we're really thinking about equity and we're really thinking about liberation and access that box isn't going to be accessible right mm -hmm. so right. Right. um you know mm -hmm. let's remove the fence altogether yeah absolutely mm -hmm. love it. yeah I think I've also seen um sort of this uh, adjacent conversation about the tools that are used to build the fence and the tools that are used mm -hmm. to build the box as being some of kind of the ways that we um, either that oppression is practiced like from group to group or individual to individual um, and like how those tools are different from the tools that would be created to box to, to build the box or take down the fence and those are the tools of disruption and advocacy and liberation. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Thank you for clarifying those terms. I know it's confusing for people that may just now be introduced to this broader concept. Um, kind of building, I guess, off of the analogy of the fence. Um, where are some of the issues where there are these fences up that we see present in our society? Um, I mean, I'm wondering if either of you could give us some broader context. Um, yeah, that. so I would say for almost every issue you can think of in our culture or in our society, there's going to be an angle of gender um, inequity that you can consider. Um, so pay equity, um, sexual and gender-based violence, reproductive justice and healthcare. And that includes, for instance, access to hormone treatments for trans and non-binary folks um, and whether that's covered by insurance, right? Um, 
labor and care work. Um, so who's doing the care work? Where's, you know, where's that labor, you know, wh what does the labor in the workforce look like or in our student organizations um, or in our, you know, lab groups? Um, you know, care work is a conversation that's come up really clearly in the last year because of COVID. And we're seeing a record number of women leaving um, the workforce because there's um, an inordinate and unsustainable amount of care work that has to be done. Um, and, and, and they're leaving the workforce in a way that we have not seen in decades. Um, so there's, that's an uh, issue of gender equity um, that is really, I think, important because I think it could potentially have really long-term impact on the way we see women um, at work and what they need and, and what they're provided with. And um, we even see issues of climate change impact, impacting women differently. Um, so I like when I think about where gender equity, you know, where, where there are issues of gender equity or gender inequity, I like to start with an issue that matters to me. And then just kind of ask, how might this impact women? Or what implications does this have for women's lives? Um, or even what could I do? What skills do I have that could make this issue better for women um, or other or people of other marginalized gender identities? Um, and then I really just try to spend as much time as I can learning about it through that lens and thinking about how I can support the work that other women and their allies are doing to make that change happen. Um, it's where I really start. Um, one of my favorite kind of stories about um, Georgia Tech and a Georgia Tech grad was a woman that we worked with a lot in the Women's Center. Um, and she was a material science engineer. She is a material science engineer. Um, and she got a Fulbright scholarship. And while she was on Fulbright um, uh, in Uganda, she learned that one of the most important issues for the women in the community that she was working in was being able to fully participate in their communities on a daily basis. So um, go to community meetings or, you know, a number of different things, right? Go to schools. Um, and when she talked with the women who lived there about, you know, what, what the barrier for them was or what some of the barriers for them were, what she learned was that they weren't able to travel far from their homes or be gone for long periods of time because the women in that community were responsible for the safekeeping of their family's grain supply. Um, and so she worked with that community to develop a material for the grain sacks that was durable and breathable and couldn't be easily cut into. Um, and that intervention helped address a barrier for the women in that community that really made an impactful change. Um, and I just really love thinking about how she used her knowledge from a field that we might not often consider as having anything to do with gender, right? Like material science. Um, to then really support and make a difference for a community and really make a difference for women in a community. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's what I'd say about that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. It's really interesting. And and I'm studying international affairs, too, and um, looking into global development and stories like those are always some that I think we lose sight of um, outside of the United States. And, and when we think about issues of, of gender inequity globally, um, those are just some really interesting examples. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the issues, I'm not say that too. I think that's a great point, right? Like, you know, the issues that are in the U S are going to be different than the issues that are in um, any other country, right? Because they're in a very U S context. And so, um, you know, I think it's really important to, really try to if impact change and think about the issues where you are and and 
and think about the ways that you can contribute um, is really huge. But I think in, in a global context, one of the things that we're seeing um, Georgia Tech talk about um, is the UN sustainability goals. Um, and, you know, there's a goal specifically related to gender equity there. <laughs> and so if that's something folks are interested in, I really recommend kind of diving into that. Well, and I love the <clears throat> reminder that the work, I think particularly at a STEM school, right, it's the the barrier of people feeling like this, this work and understanding something like gender equity or any other identity kind of equity and privilege issue. It's not separate from the work that's happening in the classroom unless you choose for it to be separate. Um, but there's there's so many ways to consider and think about the impact of um, our own experiences, but then of course other people's experiences and the way that we might help or support or learn from them along the way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hmm. Love that. Um, I'm curious to kind of give y'all a chance to spotlight some of the work that's happening in the Women's Resource Center. I think, you know, when when we think about the mission that you shared, the how of that is showing up in so many different ways, right? You're educating and providing information and supporting students and focusing on advocacy and training, all these different areas. So I'm curious, maybe my first question will be, what's an area that you would highlight or spotlight um, that is really showcases how the Women's Resource Center is living out its mission? Yeah, I, I mean, I can jump, kind of jump in here a little bit. Um, when I think about that question, I'm thinking a lot about like <laughs> the areas that we're seeing on Georgia Tech's campus, you know, despite all the strides that we've made towards um, and progress towards women involvement, women's involvement and inclusion and how many incredible programs we have set up for women. Um, <laughs> I think Melanie and I, like we celebrate those programs and also see where there needs to be more done. So as we're kind of like thinking about uh, what those instances of injustice or inequity might be. Um, I think we're still seeing over instances of sexism in Georgia Tech, but I think what goes often, more often than not unnoticed and can be just as damaging and more frequently are some of the microaggressions that lead women to not having access to opportunities or even making decisions to avoid harm in spaces, which might lead to uh, ultimately impact their access to different academic achievements and leadership positions because they're trying to navigate around some of the microaggressions and sexism that they've experienced. Um, so we often have a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with women about navigating that, but also looking and seeing space and room for us to develop and create programs for people who want to ally with women and support women at Georgia Tech in the classroom, in those lab spaces, among student organization leaderships to sort of disrupt some of that sexism that, that is happening. Um, so while we have like tools to help women interrupt sexism and show up for one another, we also want to develop programs um, to help people who want to ally with women to do that as well. Um, we are also growing some of our graduate women's programming. Um, graduate women, Melanie, I don't know the numbers exactly, but I think they're under 30%. Yes. 30% are 
severely underrepresented um, in our graduate programming. Um, and often um, their issues go unaddressed within those spaces. So we work again one-on-one, -on -one, but we've also developed um, in partnership with SGA, um, a women's grad shop program um, that happens every other week that is peer led by trained dialogue facilitators who are graduate women. Um, and so they are tackling all kinds of issues within their graduate programs um, and learning and sharing resources together. We're also really concerned and thinking about how women are respected as leaders. Are their voices and their work valued in their spaces? Um, so we do have some uh, leadership programs, like we've already mentioned the Women's Leadership Conference, um, but also like we are developing a uh, workshop and program about um, that looks at Shine Theory, which is from um, creators of the podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, Anne Friedman and Aminatou So. Um, who talk about a concept of shine theory and leading collaboratively and lifting other women up. Um, so kind of how can women amplify each other as leaders? Um, so lo really looking on leadership and skill building in that way. There are also some really exciting and growing opportunities specifically for women of color, um, but I think that they continue to be the part of our community that is most impacted by racism and sexism and really need to be centered um, in our conversations. So no matter what our program is about, there is always a component that looks at the ways that women of color are specifically impacted by that issue and how they might need to address, how we might need to approach that um, particular instance of injustice differently based on that experience of race. Um, so I think that's some of it. Melanie, is there anything I'm missing here? Yeah, I want to say, I mean, this is not in our mission, but it is, it is a part of our core values and that we also, we talked a lot about like the issues that impact women's lives and, and the kind of like negative um, impacts of sexism and, and other systems of oppression that impact women. But I think the other part of this is that Danny and I really value, value centering joy and celebration. Um, and, yeah. so, and that that has to go hand in hand with acknowledging that these things are happening, but then how do we find pleasure or joy in the work? Um, Danny is super passionate about Adrienne Marie Brown's work, Pleasure Activism, um, which really looks at that and, and talks about like, how do we find pleasure in the activist and change work that we're doing? Um, and so one of the things that I think um, we really love to do in the center um, that is, may seem frivolous to folks, but I think is as important as any, you know, pay equity workshop we might do is um, we ha we host a monthly craft circle, which is really about, um, it's about the reclamation of craft and women's craft work. But then we just create together and we craft together and we hang out and we talk and um, we connect and build community. And it's a space where we truly intentionally center our joy together. And I think that's just as important and just as much of our mission driven work as um, anything else that we do, because it's what helps sustain us in the work. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. I feel like that, yeah, you have to have community around you and have this sense of belonging to be able to continue to also do the hard work of figuring out how to navigate these systems that exist. So I think that was beautifully said. I appreciate that. Thanks. Building off of Sarah's point on um, building a community, I, I'm wondering if you could give us some insights on how programs like RISE or the Women's Leadership Conference have, have helped um, 
students and and female leaders on campus um, feel more empowered. And I don't know if you have any stories or or maybe just um, experiences from those programs that you could share in this space too. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I mean, from my perspective, what is so powerful about RISE and about the Women's Leadership Conference is that these are opportunities for women that are led by women and that center women's voices in everything that they do. So these are places where women aren't waiting for a seat at the you know proverbial table. They have created their own table. Um, and to, to quote the high women, it is a crowded table because at this table, these women are consistently and actively working to invite and include other women of all identities um, and center the most marginalized within our communities. Um, they also really examine and highlight, educate, and, and teach women to advocate uh, for the change that matters to them. Um, and and they, will, they also really work to equip women with actual skills to be able to do that advocacy um, and also to amplify other women's voices. Um, I think what is also unique about these is that they are also both based in feminist leadership and they're one of the really few, very, the, the very few opportunities and organizations that are deeply rooted in feminist leadership practices um, on our campus. Um, Melanie, I don't know if you have any particular stories that you want to share from my office. Yeah, I actually, um, it was, we, from our, our past WLC, so we, um, Jasmine Barton, who some folks may know through her work with Wish for Wash, she, um, I think there's an Engineers Without Borders team that works on Wish for Wash, is an alum, and she was on the WLC planning committee for four years. She started out as a design um chair and ended up being the overall chair at the end. Um, and her work, her work in um, public health and sanitation and the development of her sappy chewed toilet started with a spark of meeting a woman at the Women's Leadership Conference who um, who was doing sanitation work. <laughs> and 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 talking about toilet design and Jasmine thought oh I could do that like I that's an intervention that I can I can provide and so you know back when I was talking about how to you know where are the issues of gender inequity they're everywhere right <laughs> like they're in toilets um mm -hmm. and so that's one of my favorite kind of WLC stories and and then Jasmine this year came back and talked about um in conversation with Candace Mitchell Harris both of them were on the Georgia Tech 40 under 40 list um, and both are entrepreneurs and extremely successful in their own right. Um, and the two of them talked about, uh, their connection to WLC. Um, Candace met one of her key mentors and one of her key sponsors in her work, um, through WLC. And so I think, you know, often when we think about our involvements in student organizations on college, on our, in college, we, you know, we might think that it's just for a season and really what I think WLC has done, um, is proven that those connections kind of last forever. And I can't tell you how many times I've, um, I've connected past, you know, somebody who's on WLC um, in 2020 or 2021 to someone who is an alum who was, you know, a part of it in, in 2012 um, and said, I think the two of you should know each other. And um, I think that that's one of the ways that Though that program is so successful and that that organization is so successful because it is really about building cross-generational, um, and I mean generational in terms of like student generations, um, connections. Um, and so 
yeah, and Rise is in its first year, but I'm looking forward to Rise having those stories too. We in the Women's Center talk about like once you're WRC, WRC family, you're always WRC family. Um, and so, um, and we really mean that. We really mean that we we believe that we belong to each other and that we have a role in supporting each other and affirming each other and amplifying one another um, from the moment you walk in the door. And, and that is a commitment we continue to make about you and about our students long after they walk off of campus. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting that you bring up this story about Jasmine Brittany and this sort of like, I don't know, passing down in generational like connection among students because when RISE actually um, has its foundations in some of the executive board leadership um, of WLC, you know, in our conversations about wanting um, to have these conversations about leadership and gender equity issues and feminism and learning about feminism really early on, like right when you get to Georgia Tech. Um, and that's kind of how the conversation about having a first year leadership organization that focuses on those issues started. Um, but we actually have some of our student advisors and even some of our first year students who talk about Jasmine Burton, who work with her, who are, consider her a mentor or just like kind of a rock star in the work that we do. Um, so there really is this sort of beautiful full circle moment um, where we have like generations of WLC executive board leadership, Jasmine Burton, who's continually connected with this campus and in this work. And also uh, these women who are in their first year and are the future of leadership at Georgia Tech kind of all coming together. That's so exciting. Thank you for just sharing everything about the WRC. I feel like I have learned a lot just in this conversation alone. And, and there are a lot of resources that I, I definitely want to look into and check out. Um, as far as maybe somebody that isn't as familiar with the WRC or is just looking to become a better advocate or an ally for um, this issue, this broader issue, um, where should people start when they want to, you know, become involved and, and start learning about these issues? Do you have any recommendations on places that they should look to, resources? Yeah. They I mean, I think we need people committed to gender justice everywhere, like in every sphere. Um, and so I think folks can start by looking in their spheres of influence and look closely um, and reflect on the ways that women are represented or how their voices um, and their work are valued, how much they're able to participate in the decision-making of maybe say a student organization. Um, and then think about some of the social and environmental factors and impacting their own experience and then think about what they wish they knew or or what what might be the core issue there. Um, so like if they're a student organization leader, whether they're working with the Women's Center or not, maybe they're just a student org, they're not, you know, they're not there, maybe they're a leader in a positional leadership position, or maybe they're just a leader within the group, you know, maybe they just have a really strong voice in their group. Um, and they notice that women aren't participating in discussions. So instead of encouraging women to speak up more, maybe what they say is, you know, maybe they look at who is actually speaking up and how women are called into the conversation and how others might respond to their ideas. Um, There's almost never a situation that a woman can or doesn't have an opinion or have something to say, but there are definitely social or environmental factors that might make them feel unsafe or uncomfortable speaking up. Um, and I think if you don't know where to start, um, you can certainly use Google, right? Um, start self-educating. I think I, I use Google still, you know, like I just put something in. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know about that. And then I kind of fall down the rabbit hole. Um, it's one of my favorite um, 
one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> but there are so many podcasts, like lots of pop culture articles, YouTube videos, Instagrams um, that are, you know, out there for the purpose of helping people who want to ally and advocate for gender equity be able to do that. Um, and, you know, Danny mentioned uh, Call Your Girlfriend. I love that one. I think it's super approachable. Um, you know, it's two women who kind of talk about the gamut of issues that impact women's lives. Um, and it's, 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 it's good. And, um, one of my favorites, um, and then, um, I'm trying to, I'm totally drawing a blank on others. I listen to a million, <laughs> um, but I think also if you just can't kind of, if you don't feel like you're going down the right path or you're not totally certain, like you can always make an appointment with us and we'll talk more in depth with you or we'll help you curate a list of, you know, resources or information um, to take back to your spaces or for your own kind of education and learning. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I also think like in terms of the, you know, the WRC, we also like do a lot of sharing and connecting to resources um, outside of just what is available at Georgia Tech. So um, if folks want to, I'm going to plug, you can follow us on Instagram at GTWRC. Um, we always post about our programs and events, but we also uh, create content and share content that's really fun and educational information about gender equity and feminism. Fun and also serious and really important. So let me clarify. <laughs> um, and we also like share connections for more resources and people to follow. So, you know, if you are someone who likes to have that constant like feed, um, we can help you build that feed on your Instagram um, to look at resources uh, and other Instagrams to follow. Um, also, like when we're back in the fall and we're all on campus, um, we really, really want to see folks in our space. Uh, Flag Building, Suite 131. Uh, please come to the WRC. Um, this is, a, it is a, both a safe and a brave space for us to take risks, explore issues, find comfort, find community. Um, also, we do a lot lot of um, programs that are open to women and their allies um, that talk about, talk very specifically about some of these issues of gender equity. Um, and so have an opportunity to dialogue, offer your own experiences, what you're seeing, um, but also really get a chance to hear from and center women um, and kind of what they're going through and experiencing at Georgia Tech. Um, so yeah, I think that at any point you can attend a WRC program or workshop and learn enough to like get you started in the right direction. Uh, in terms of like formal things that people can do uh, for our first years who are coming in, um, <laughs> if they get a chance to hear this podcast, uh, they can join Rise as a first year uh, student and get some of those, um, learn about feminist leadership principles and, and find ways to practice some of those skills. Uh, and then uh, WLC will start taking applications uh, since this WLC has passed, uh, students can join the planning committee. Um, and that's a great, a great way to really get in depth um, and work with uh, other women and learn about what women's issues and what they care about are. So. Links to all those resources and social media can be found in the description of this episode as always. So be sure to check them out. Now, let's take a little bit of time to learn about our guests and how they got connected to this work. Here's Sarah to start out this portion of the conversation. Well, and I'm, I just have to say, I'm so appreciative of the work that both of you do and the, the way that you bring energy and awareness to issues of gender equity and how we can come together and learn together, grow together and, and just um, create 
space for this conversation is incredible. I would love to hear from each of you how how did you get connected to this work, whether broadly in a focus and, and passion for working within gender equity or um, more specifically with the focus in a higher education space? Um, how did you get connected and why is this work meaningful for you? Yeah, Melanie, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so I think um, we talk sometimes uh, in feminist circles about your like feminist click moment. So like, when did it click for you? Um, and for me, I think I, I, I trace it back to like being in the fifth grade and I had to do this presentation and uh, about what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I told folks that I wanted to be the president of the United States. And my teacher said something super sexist to me and said that, um, that wasn't something that could happen. <laughs> and, um, and I think that was like this moment of like, you're so wrong. Um, I, I, and just being so angry about that, um, and hurt by that. Um, and then not really having a connection again, um, until I was in college and I, took my very first women's studies class and, um, and really started seeing how and being able to name all of these kind of things that I had just thought were separate as about a system. And, um, and I met other women who shared a similar mindset and worldview and, long story short, together, we put together a proposal for our university to start a women's center on our college campus. And um, our the president of our university was brand new and she was a woman and she let us come and walk right into her office and, um, and say, hey, <laughs> we think there should be a women's center on this campus. And she said, okay, I think so too. And so that's how I started in the work. And I, you know, I started a women's center as an undergraduate student and, um, and did that work until I graduated. And then, uh, I worked in a domestic violence and intimate partner violence, um, nonprofit, um, and shelter here in Atlanta, um, that really let me see up close how systems of oppression can really play out on an individual level and a really harmful level. And I really wanted to do more and and so I went back to school and uh, got a master's degree in women's and gender studies and, and really wanted to come back to working with college students, really wanted to come back to equipping the, the future leaders of our world with the skills to be able to really make change. And um, I've been at tech ever since doing that work. So, yeah. Uh, can we also just like take a moment to appreciate the fact that Melanie got into women's center work by creating a women's center? <laughs> okay, <laughs> ten out of ten would recommend. Um, so, <laughs> similar to Melanie, uh, my like my involvement um, in getting connected to women's centers work broadly, feminism broadly, I think had a lot to do with my experiences kind of early on. I was in that like initial like mid 90s swell of like student like like young girls who were sort of being pushed to explore uh like stem fields um and so and i had a i had and still do have a like passion for um biology and particularly genetics and science um and so i went to nc state which is also a a heavily engineering and science and technology institution um, ex as a biological engineer. And <laughs> when I was in those classes, um, 
while I, I did struggle with some of the like more technical aspects of engineering, but I really, really struggled with a lot of the ways that um, my professors were treating me, a lot of the ways that my classmates were treating me. I didn't feel like it was safe for me to ask questions. Like I was affirming some kind of idea that they had in their head that I was only here because I was a woman, um, that I was a number to increase the presence on their campus or within, not on campus, but in their specific college of women. Um, and I, I wanted to know more about kind of what was happening, was was what I was feeling real. Um, and I ended up taking kind of like a, um, a sociology class that was specifically for first year students. And I kind of, I got interested and in, in introduced this idea of like feminine theory about socialization, gender socialization um, and oppression. And it really just <laughs> took off from there. Um, I switched my major. I kept like a biology like minor. Um, and then after I graduated, I, I was really, um, as I continued through sociology, I got really interested in educational justice and access to education. Um, so when NC State started its college advising core, um, I joined as a, as a um, as a college advisor, I grew up in a, in a rural Southern community. So um, specifically the College Advising Corps was looking to increase um, the number of underrepresented low-income um, students who, uh, com who entering complete college. And so I was, I was really passionate about learning about what those issues were and, are, and you know, taking down barriers to education. Um, so I ended up, you know, I was like, okay, so like I have all these students, right, who were, were, were learning about the FAFSA, we're learning about access to economic opportunities, but when they were getting to college, they were not finding their communities or their spaces. So I wanted to learn more about how educational justice and barriers were formed in higher ed, like at colleges and universities. Uh, so I got my degree um, in college student personnel administration. Um, and also at the same time was working um, as a graduate assistant at a multicultural center. Um, I am particularly interested in the intersections of race and gender and kind of how they uh, form that unique experience of oppression. Uh, and then Melanie hired me <laughs> and it has really been sort of a dream partnership. Um, I feel like there's this balance um, that we bring to in terms of our like personal education and experience and kind of filling in the gaps for one another. Um, and I've also learned so much from her about gender equity. Um, we were just having the others uh, a conversation yesterday about like black women's ways of knowing and like the medicalization of um, midwifery. And I was like, wow, like every, like every day I'm growing and learning in this space. Um, and I'm particularly appreciative of how that space happens with our students um, and getting them to connect and plug into things that they're passionate about. So thank you both. It, it feels like there's such a, I mean, there are many common themes, but this sense of like curiosity and this deep interest in knowing and understanding what happens and why is, is just at the core of that. And I, I love that. Yeah, I think you um, like one of the what I one of the things I think is um, like the core question of my life <laughs> is I ask why a lot. Um, so why does this happen? Why has this happened? Why can't we change this? You know, um, and and I think about that a lot. And I, yeah, I think that's that's true, Sarah. <laughs> totally, totally. Actually, Melanie and I talk about like the form of questions all the time. Like even even as we're like helping students to confront some of the difficult conversations around or make or make difficult decisions um, about social justice. What you know from financial decisions to like how do I talk to my friend about this? We really come back to the question of like who benefits and who's being included and who's not a part of the conversation. So like questions, I agree, are like a huge part of this, this work. Thank you, Bob. 
Yeah, definitely. Thank you for just this enlightening conversation in general. I think both of you have great perspectives and and great experience in it. So I just appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and, and talking to us today. So it is Women's History Month, and I have seen a lot of programs coming from the Women's Resource Center. And I was wondering, uh, this podcast will be going live on March 29th. Uh, So I'm wondering maybe if you could recap some events that maybe you think are are the most exciting or just um, talk about any specific ones that you come to mind in this space. Yeah, absolutely. So I can, so I'll, I can highlight two kind of like really programs that we were super proud of um, to have on campus. We've talked a lot about the Women's Leadership Conference. Uh, This past year, we got to feature a keynote from Blair Amani, um, and the entire theme of the conference was focused on intersectional feminist leadership. Uh, So that was a really exciting, really successful first virtual conference. So proud of the student leaders um, for converting something that is so engaging in person to something that was just deeply as rich and meaningful um, in a virtual context. I feel like I blinked and it was over and I was so sad. I wanted more. Um, and so, it, you know, it becomes a, a continual process then to, to recruit the next um, leadership executive for WLC and start planning for that. Uh, we also, which I think this program has been done in the past, but has not been done since I had started here three years ago, but uh, LunaFest, which is actually a, like a national kind of program um, sponsored by Luna Bars, Cliff, Cliff Bars, yes, Cliff Bars. Um, it's a virtual film festival. Um, it's featuring films made by and for women. Uh, this past year included stories about a neuroscientist speaking up for women in science everywhere, um, there's also a story about a young girl who was searching to reunite with her mother after crossing the U.S. border. Um, there was a really compelling story about kind of with a behind the scenes view of the women's Euro Arabian North Pole expedition. There's also many, many more. <laughs> there's stories about artists, about um, about women and fly fishing, uh, really incredible um, short films. So hopefully people will still be able to access that um, after LunaFest is sort of done for the year. Um, but there are other virtual sessions that folks can look up on the LunaFest website that incur in other places in the U.S. They might they might be at cost um, to buy tickets, but um, if if folks weren't able to make it to this last program that we sponsored, I highly recommend looking that up. Um, and then Melanie, by the time this podcast comes out, there will also be stuff that people can still participate in yeah, in April. Um, so like in a continuation um, right up until um, the end of of school. So. Um, we co-host Take Back the Night with Voice, um, which is a survivor speak out and candlelight vigil honoring survivors of sexual and gender-based violence. Um, this year, it'll feature, in addition to stories from survivors in our community, um, it'll feature a keynote from Wanda Swan, um, who's the executive, di- <clears throat> executive director of the Swan Center for Advocacy and Research. And she's going to talk about the connections between racism and sexual violence, which I think is really, really important, um, especially um, given the um, gender-based and racist violence that we've seen and acted against um, the Asian community here in Atlanta in this last week. Um, by the time this airs, it'll be, have been a couple of weeks, but um, still super important. Um, so that'll be on April 13th at 6 p.m. And then our last program, big program for um, for the year will be on April 19th and you can join us for a fireside chat with feminist climate scientist and activist, Dr. Catherine Wilkinson. 
um, whose recent work includes um, leading the Drawdown Georgia Charge and an anthology of women thinking about the feminist climate renaissance, which is called All We Can Save. Um, so you can either attend that program on the 19th or during the week prior to that, um, prior to her talk, you can join us for a book circle discussion about All We Can Save. Um, hot tip, the library has four copies of the book. Um, and <laughs> two in e-form, like electronic book form, and two in hard copy form. So if you want to join us for one of those, definitely um, grab hold of one of the books. And um, you don't have to read the whole thing. We're just asking folks to read a selection and share kind of what um, resonated with them about that. And so I'm like, those are two programs that we're really excited about coming up in April. We'll also have um, a couple more grad women's grad chats and a craft circle. Um, and some other things, but those that's that's us for the for the remainder of the year. That's so exciting. <laughs> and yeah, I will definitely share information about those events as well. <laughs> I'm just so excited. So many things, so many things. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's pretty much all the questions that I have for today. And I feel <laughs> like I could talk to you both for hours about all of these issues. So just thank you so much for, for being on today. No, this Sarah, has been great. Again, we appreciate your time well. and your energy, not just for this conversation, but, you know, throughout all of the year and the work that you're doing for campus. Um, I'm sure you don't get as much of the thanks and recognition as, and appreciation as you should. <laughs> so we'll, we'll shout you out here as much as we can. Sarah, Sydney, thank you all so much for having us. It's, it was a delight. Yeah. It was really a joyful, joyful time. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movements. And special thanks to Melanie, Danny, and the Women's Resource Center for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about the WRC's programming and ways to sign up for those events mentioned near the end of this episode, links to those will be found in the description or on womenscenter.cotech.edu. We've also added some more informational links to help you get started on your journey to becoming a better advocate for women's issues as well. Are you interested in helping create podcast episodes related to social issues and topics that you're passionate about? Well, consider applying to join the MOVE podcast team for our next season of this podcast, Movements. Whether you're an experienced podcast host or editor, or you're just interested in learning new skills, our podcast team is open to students of all skill levels looking to create conversations around important topics like the ones we discussed today. So visit the link in our description or go to MOVE's Engage page to fill out the form by Saturday, April 10th, and come join and work on the team with me. <laughs> Speaking of MOVE, if you're someone passionate about volunteer service and helping lead one of the largest service organizations on our campus, consider applying to be on MOVE's board of directors. Applications for those positions are due on April 4th, so be sure to check that out on our Engage page as well. And if you're looking for some upcoming service events in the next few months, consider joining our STEM and Education Committee to sort and package books for Books for Africa with Hands on Atlanta on Wednesday, March 31st at 1 p.m. And you can sign up for that, of course, on our Engage page, which you guessed it, is linked below. <laughs> and finally, keep an eye out for MOVE's annual celebration of service event on Saturday, April 10th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We're going to be hosting a day full of virtual and in-person volunteer experiences to celebrate all of the hard work that our organizations have done this year amid the pandemic. So you'd be able to RSVP and select your service experience on our Engage page. 
All right, that's all the updates I have for Move as of now, but if you're new to movements and you want to hear more of our stuff, be sure to subscribe on anywhere you get your podcast, wherever you're listening, to be notified for when we post new bi-weekly episodes. And be sure to follow Move's social media, at MoveGT, to stay up to date with all of our upcoming events and initiatives as well. As always, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode, and I'll see you next time. involved and do not express or may not be the views of Georgia Tech or the organization mobilizing opportunities for volunteer experience.